Awesome. Hey, it's my privilege to invite uh, Pastor Bruce up. Pastor Bruce is, is a general in our movement. He founded Equippers Auckland, uh, now currently heads up. Equipers International overseeing all the church planning in Europe and around the world. And uh, he carries a real mana and authority uh, in our movement and in, in God's kingdom. And so just, yeah, open your hearts, be ready. And I know he's got an amazing word for us. So thanks, Pastor Bruce. Very good. My joy to be with you today. And um, really great news. Just uh, see a transition taking place in the life of the church. Um, you know, sometimes I mentioned to Brute last night that you can make a decision to change, but transitions are actually often more difficult. Um, but in this one, I don't think it will be. I think I uh, just really feel positive about what God's wanting to do. I think the next season of the church is going to really center a lot around mission. And when I say mission, I don't mean mean everyone becomes a missionary. I think that's a given anyhow. But it's around mission and really reaching into this particular community and uh, seeking out the, the broken and, and uh, finding ways where we can really offer just the gospel in a very practical way and as well as a spiritual way. So that's just a word. So it's a bit prophetic. I'm, I know I'm just talking, but it's uh, quite prophetic. I believe it's centered around mission. And so that's something that we just really need to pray into. Richard, I believe, and your wife, he's not even concentrating, I'm talking to him, <laughs> that you guys are quite uh, important in that part, the mission side of it. And I believe God's going to really open, uh, in, in a way, uh, there's something yet not revealed, uh, and I believe we're going to seek it out. Um, but it, as you start to seek, God's going to start to open things in a very profound way. And uh, we'll just, in a way, take the church and never underestimate the power of just the gospel and going into uh, broken humanity because God's going to use it in a very special way. You don't have to fit in. For you guys, I just really feel I'll bring prophetic side. Uh, Maya's not here. Yeah, I know. But just, I, I see a wall, and that's when I, as I prayed, I just saw this wall, and uh, you came up by it, and you saw, oh, we're stuck. But actually, without knowing it, the, door, uh, the wall's got a door in it. It's not visible when you first go there. But when you come up by it, God is going to help you to open a door. And I think that the key that I saw was you will open the door but it won't just be you that goes through it. It'll open up uh, something special for other people. And so it's an important part of you being in Christchurch. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name just for just that anointing, uh, just the expectation in the name of Jesus. And uh, God, you would do something incredibly special. Going to Christchurch, I, I, I know you know it because you've got that peace in your heart. It's a God step. It's a God direction. But as you go, it's almost like God's going before you in so many different ways. Even for your children, I believe that the hand of God is going to be on your decision in their lives. And it will help them to catch something fresh and new in their life. And so we just release that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good, good. So um, I think my third time in Timaru. Never really uh, ventured here a lot before coming down here to preach. I came uh, a couple of years ago. Been a few years before that. But, um, you know, great great place, great community. Uh, really sense of excitement in the spirit for the area, the region. And uh, don't just be content in your face. Just really allow God to propel you into something 
fresh and new. Lockdown was uh, interesting. Both Helen, my wife, and I uh, wrote books in lockdown. Um, I'm too hyperactive to uh, settle down and write. Helen finds it's her sweet spot, but it's never been mine. And, uh, but in lockdown, I disciplined myself and got into writing a book. Helen wrote a book, and the outcome was really good. We've produced books. <laughs> um, so I've got some, a, a couple of copies. I'll just uh, tell you about Helen's to start off with. This is, uh, was her vision. Uh, it's over a kilo heavy, this book. <laughs> I know, bringing them down. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so she, she wrote this. It's a, a devotion, 180-day devotion. Uh, you can read it as a book or you can read it as a devotional. Uh, it's not a girly book. It's, uh, I'm, I'm reading through it myself, and uh, it's for guys. So there is a black and white version as well. But this was her vision. So here's, uh, she, she said, this is what I've seen. And my granddaughter did the graphics inside. It's amazingly produced. Uh, it's actually hand-bound. Uh, so it's a, a special sort of book. And she said, this is my vision. And I said, oh, they'll never sell. <laughs> I said, not, not because of what's in it. I think you'll need a black and white version if you want to sell some copies. So we printed more black and white versions than we did colored. And <laughs> I've got a whole lot of black and white versions in Auckland because it's her vision that sells. And isn't it interesting? Just what she saw, God really uses. And so this is special. And uh, it's really, in a way, gives you a journey through her life, but also through the Word of God and Scripture. And so, uh, pretty special book. Uh, so you might like to get hold of it. Some some pe uh, people have got, uh, and using it to go through an e-group. So I've now found two places, Christchurch, as well as um, Tamanui, are using it and just using it as a resource. I want to give one away. I'll, I'll let you do the job. That's got to go to a, a lady, right? And then... Uh, so, um, and then I've written a book. Hers is 115,000 words, mine's 40,000. <laughs> um, but this is really, uh, this is the story in a way of equippers. It's come out of my own life, my own journey. And I believe it's a great book, great tool for uh, equippers, a lot of um, understanding of scriptures that have been really important to us on our journey. And so that's out there. Today, I, I did something at Shout. I got the black and white and this one out there for $40 for the two. And so if you want to get hold of them, I really can, they'll really bless you. Um, so don't um, get, don't see the, the devotional as a girly book. If you know my wife, she's not actually a girly preacher. <laughs> Give that one away too. Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, bless. We, uh, in lockdown, we, we came and, you know, you had the lockdown, if you remember, and August came along and we'd sort of in Auckland gone back into a lockdown and in the middle of it was our wedding anniversary and uh, Helen had always had this thing, well, our 50th wedding anniversary is coming up and that's what happened last year, our 50th wedding anniversary and she said, remember, it's golden. <laughs> she said, I want gold, but she said, I also want a rock in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, she said, and she said, you know, the rock is really symbolic that we're established on the rock, Christ Jesus. But I, I want a rock in the middle. And she said, you're not going to be a cheapskate this time. She said, when you, when you proposed to me, you proposed in a cart 
driving from Wellington to Otaki where we lived. And we said, will, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And that was the proposal. This time, she said, 50th wedding anniversary, you are going to get down on your knees in front of your children, and you are going to renew your vows. <laughs> and so I thought, when lockdown happened, oh, I've got to know. <laughs> but she managed to get all the kids in the house, even though we broke a rule slightly. <laughs> and they came around, they all stood there, and I got down on my knees, I got the gold in the rock <laughs> and I put it on her finger and said my vows and renewal 50 years of marriage and we've had an amazing journey but it was a special time and I saw my boys even with a little tear flowing down their face which they're not given to and so uh, um, just amazing journey 50 years married as um, you know we married uh, I was 22 Helen was 20 as she was someone in the first, um, uh, one year later after married, we had our first child, and then we had four children in four years, um, and so no twins, um, and we've never regretted our journey, just the, the amazing blessing of God, and in shout, uh, all but two of my grandkids were there, uh, having a significant part, and I just look at that, and I think, wow, you know, God has been amazing, God has been extra special. And never underestimate the power of God's grace. doesn't mean everything's smooth running. So I'm not telling you the bad side. <laughs> well, no, there's not many bad sides. But no, you know what I mean. You know, you, you have your struggles, you have your pressures, but you work through them. And that's the nature of God and what God does. So if you have gone through a broken marriage, my daughter has. Uh, so we feel the pain of that. And God's a redemptive God. But I also want to celebrate people who... Uh, you know, have longevity in marriage. Uh, let's never underestimate the power of that testimony as well as the testimonies that people have gone through brokenness and come out the other side and God has been with them. Amen. Um, today what I want to do is just really take you on a journey. I, I'm very, um, in my life, very journey-based. And I find that I can talk on lots of different areas, lots of different scriptures, but I find God gives me certain themes and I follow those themes because I believe that not only can I preach about them, but I find as I go on the journey with the Holy Spirit, He's doing something in my life as well. And so what I want to do today is really take you on a journey. And I think it's quite prophetic because I find that I have a prophetic nature. And so God's got to get the word working in me uh, before I can genuinely prophetically speak it. And so uh, this is a journey, if you understand. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is really wanting to captivate the church. If you look in our nation, not just our nation, but around the world, you'd have to be pretty, don't get offended with what I say now, pretty sick <laughs> to see that something's not happening <laughs> in the world. We are really living uh, in a time where if you read scriptures like uh, Matthew chapter 24, you know, where it just talks about before the coming of the Lord, these events will happen. And you just see what's happening around the world. And as one great preacher said, you know, if you look at what's happening in the world, it's really not a good time to consider backsliding. <laughs> because, you know, there, there is just so many things happening that you've got to look and they catch your attention. And we've really got to position ourselves before God so that we've got our, our hearts really open to the power of God's presence. And I believe, especially in our nation, we're in a, a time where there's just so many uh, forces, legislation changes that really attack the very fabric of our Christianity. And uh, so, so one thing I can reassure you is 
is, um, you know, our morality is not determined by legislation. It's determined by our relationship with God. And what the church needs to do is really rise up and really very be very proactive in uh, uh, seeing a change in society and not caught by the sound of society, but saying, no, no, we're caught by a vision that God's given us to really uh, uh, see, see humanity changed and God really ministering into people's lives. And so I pray, can I just really encourage you, please pray for our nation. Just so we don't just sit in your room and get upset. <laughs> I think it's really time for pray. Pray for godly leaders to rise in our nation. Let the voice of God be heard. And uh, we just need to see something restored. The scripture that I just want to begin with today is 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 13. And in a way, it's, a, it's given uh, to Solomon uh, and he's speaking, and it just says here, I have surely built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. And I know that's referring to the establishment of the temple uh, that David, his father, saw that Solomon built. And it was a prophetic statement, I believe. As you go down through history, you see the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as he was born, walked on earth, uh, he then died, this amazing powerful death. Uh, he overcame the power of death. He's a resurrected Lord. But no longer would men need to go and find God in a building. Now we become, as the scripture teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is no longer found in a building. That's why we can gather here in this venue. It's not a church. We are the church. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when you go through Scripture, there's this profound message that's going right through to the point where Jesus overcomes the power of death. He's a resurrected Lord, and he's now seated at, uh, with our Father in heaven, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And he says, you are now the temple of God. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to come and dwell within you. He wants to dwell in humanity. And I want to talk into that a little bit this morning. If you go in, and I, this scripture is not going to go up because uh, it's just one that I want to refer to, but it's Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a powerful psalm. It's a psalm of David, and he's giving expression to some of the things that he was feeling within his own life. And he just talks about God's perfect knowledge of man. God knows you. And he goes on, and this is a well-known part. It just says in verse 13, this is a well-known part of Scripture. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? That God saw you, you know, I think in Psalm, uh, sorry, Isaiah 49, it says, he named you while you were in the matrix of your mother's womb. I like that. You know, somehow, you know, no one in this room is a mistake. In the matrix of your mother's womb, God named you and called you. And uh, it, it just, he's giving reference to it. This is not one scripture that goes right through. This is a pattern that goes right through the Bible. God knew you even before the world was created. God knew you by name. When you start to get an understanding of God and how God has worked you out, it's just incredibly profound. And it goes on, it says, I, uh, yes, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. When it says soul, 
it's, uh, it's you as a person. You know that, man, God made me. And if only people would understand and come to grips with the fact that God created you. I love the old song um, written by Kiwi, Something Beautiful, Something Good, All My Confusion Christ Understood, sung by uh, a guy by the name of Steve Apirana. And, uh, you know, he came from Rotorua. And I remember him telling his story, and it uh, brought tears to my eyes. He just said, you know, I come from Rotorua. And he was shorter than I am. I'm not very tall, but I can't remember. I think he might have been five foot five from memory. And he said, you know, at school he was rejected because he grew up in a home where they didn't give a lot of attention to personal hygiene. He was that kid who smelled. He, he, he's telling his story. And, uh, and he said, so therefore I lived in an environment where I felt incredibly rejected. And, um, and then he said, I found Jesus. And he said, God started to work in my life. I started to realize that even from the beginning of time, God found, uh, called me in the matrix of my mother's womb. And he said, you know, when he thought of Steve, he said, mm, tall? Mm, no, I, really, you know, I can still hear him telling the story. No, no, I'll just push him down a bit. You know, five, five foot five is about right. And skin, mm, bit dark. I think I'll, I'll sort of brown him up a little. And so, you know, he tanned his skin up and he came out as this young Maori boy. And then he said, nose pointed? No, nah, let's flatten it out. You know, I remember still hear him telling the story, you know. And, uh, and he just went through it and he just made this beautiful colour. And then he sings a song he's written. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion Christ understood. And he's made something beautiful out of my life. Beautiful song, and he just sung it with this, which you stood there and your heart was just so moved by the power of a song. And that's how God sees us all. No one in this room is a mistake. And when you understand that, you know, from the beginning of time, you know, God created you. He saw you. He, he called you by name. That No one in this room, you know, we're the exact height God wanted us to be. Uh, you know, the color of skin is exactly the way God fashioned you. Uh, and and that's, that, that's the unique nature of God. And in this scripture, here it goes on. And I, I just want you to catch this prophetically today. It just says in verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. Now, just listen to it. How precious are your thoughts? This is, this is the God we worship. Uh, you, it really matters a lot how you see God. Amen? And I want you to see God today the way he sees you. <laughs> right? This is how he sees you. He's, he's not this harsh, we, we heard in, in shout, you know, a harsh judge. Uh, the speaker gave us a great understanding. But he says, how precious are your thoughts towards me, God? How great is the sum of them. When it uses the word sum, it's S-U-M. It's a, an accounting term. How great is the sum of them? Then it just gives us, it says, if I could count them, they would be more numerous than the sand. So when God thinks of you, your name? Lick, lick get it right? When he thinks more numerous than the sand. You, can't, you, you try and count a speck of sand. No one can count that. Impossible to count. But that's how God thinks of you. More precious, more powerful. That's the way God thinks of us. More precious. You can't even, you can't, 
God's thoughts towards you, when you understand the God of heaven like that, it changes your view, your worship, and the way you see yourself. And then it goes on and it just says, when I awake, I am still with you, always with you, your presence. And somehow we've just got this wrong understanding of who God is. God has come and it's been blurred through religion. It's been blurred through misunderstanding, misquoting of scripture. And preachers, I think, have not helped. Uh, we, we, we haven't done justice to the God of love who's given it his expression through the person of Jesus Christ. And the scripture that really I want to lead you to today and I want to build from is just to remember that, how precious is God's thoughts towards you. And uh, just to have an understanding. And I just, uh, just I'll pop around and give a prophetic word here and there. But I, I just sort of see, don't, don't box yourself in. I, I think it's referring to your business. Because I think there's an opportunity coming. And initially you'll say no. But go back again. Because I believe it's going to be an opportunity that God is presenting towards you. But initially you won't catch it. So... I just bring it to you in Jesus' name. Just anoint this couple. Uh, Father, position them uh, in Jesus' name to prosper, not only, Father, in, in their lives personally, and, and not only in their lives in, as individuals, but in their marriage, prosper them. Let them know just incredible grace upon their life in Jesus' name. But also I pray, Father, I, I believe prosperity is going to be a hallmark of your life. When I say prosperity, health, but also financially, God's going to bring to you uh, he's he's going to ask you to, it's not a bad word this, ask you to steward a lot of money. <laughs> Amen. And I'm using the word careful, steward a lot of money. Um, so the money's not yours. He's asking you to steward a lot of money. And I believe he's going to. He's just going to open up doors for you both. And right now, just release that anointing in Jesus' name. How many want that word? <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't sort of come to me to say, oh, I, I do it on behalf of the church. But no, no, no. anyhow, uh, the, the scripture that I, I, I want to lead you to is a very well-known scripture. It's probably my first memory verse. How many have memory verses? I think it's actually good to memorize scripture. Uh, this scripture is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Now, I want you to see it in the context of what I have been talking about up to now. The scripture in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I've been preaching for 45 years. So up to two years ago, whenever I focused on that scripture, I always focused on the word sinned. But that's not the message of the scripture. The message of the scripture is the glory of God. It's not sin. Sin has robbed us of God's glory. So coming back to what I said is when God thinks of you, he doesn't think of the sin. He sees you in his glory. That's his image. From the beginning of time, he always had this image of you actually functioning without any penalty in your life. He created you 
to actually succeed. He created you to win. He created you to actually know a contentment and a peace within your life. That is to live in the glory of God. But naturally, going back to the story of Adam and Eve, sin entered in. And when sin entered in, if you could imagine that this here is a mirror. And so when God created you, his image of you was perfect. Isn't that amazing? Don't you think that? So he looked at, at I'm just to touch you. Uh, right now, can I just lay hands on you? I just right now pray this will never leave this young lady. She will know that she's been created in the image of an amazing king in Jesus' name. So, so, so Adam, Adam, Adam and Eve, get it out, please. Adam and Eve could walk around without any sense of flaw. You had no sense of fear. No, there was just nothing, no shame. That's how they walked. They looked and they thought, wow. I don't think, I don't know whether they said we're incredible, but, you know, that would have been, in a way, just the innate, innate feeling was in them. Just this amazing sense of being complete. But then when they disobeyed God's word, it was as though the enemy came along and he just bashed with a big rock. He, he destroyed their image. And you know that when you're growing up, you know, I'm getting old now, pretty old, don't you think? I'm an old man. <laughs> you're old too? Yeah, we're all getting older. <laughs> but, but, but when you look at it, it was though you look in the mirror, especially when you're you know, going through your teenage years, you look in the mirror and you think, who am I? Anybody, you know, you're trying to find love, you're trying to find meaning, you're trying to find, and in a way, you, you know, you can see it partially, but everything has been cracked, broken. Sometimes for our own stupidity, a bit of the mirror has been removed. And so you've got brokenness, you've got flaws, you've got, everything's marred, it's not, not perfect. And so you're always looking in the mirror trying to think, who am I? But somehow sin destroyed. The basic thing that sin did was destroy who we are, the image that God created us in. Now, the moment you give your heart to Christ, and I'll come back to this in a moment, it says, oh, God is about wanting to restore this image. It takes time. How many have found that out? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice when you give your heart to Jesus? Wow, oh, man, I'm perfect. <laughs> Just ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your kids. That's not true. Um, and, and, but he goes about restoring. He goes about restoring you to the glory of the way he's made you to be. That's what it really means, is God is restoring you back to his glory. And so if I could have you for a moment, Betty, would you mind just coming up and standing there? And so, so if you look, so, so now, now I'm God. <laughs> Ben's on this journey. Now, what happens is Ben really, he wants to touch God. But if you just watch it, Ben's feet are just going to slightly move to your left, too far. Come back, just slightly. So Ben starts walking. Start walking. As he walks, he's actually missed what God has for his life. He missed it. Now that's literally, if you would do it, thank you. If, if you, you would look up the meaning of the word sin. 
in its primary foundational meaning, that's what it means. It just simply means to miss the mark. And so when Paul was saying, for all have sinned, he is referring to our naughtiness. Does anyone have some naughtiness? Do you have some naughtiness? <laughs> Does he have some naughtiness? Yes. Yeah. We, we, we've all got that naughty part of our nature. Right? We all have that naughty part of the nature, you know, and we do stupid things. But primarily, what he's saying is all have sinned and missed the mark of God's glory. We've missed the mark of actually letting God bring us back to the image that he saw from the beginning of time. That's literally, if you were to take that scripture, that's what it's communicating. That's what Paul was saying. He was saying, you know, I've got, I, my, my, when, when, you think of, when you think of David's term, my thoughts toward you are more powerful than you can imagine. You cannot add them up. How precious is God's thoughts towards you? Right through the Old Testament, that's the journey. God is trying to restore humanity back to the image for which he created them, which was damaged. And what God is wanting to do is apprehend. And he said, I'm not going to judge you in your sin. I'm going to actually put my judgment on my son. Because I love you. My thoughts towards you are so loving, so powerful, that I will not judge you, and I will not put your guilt, I will not put shame on you, I will put it on my son, because the expression of my grace and my love towards you is more powerful than you could ever, ever, ever comprehend. And if you would just, and this is the simple gospel, if you would just acknowledge what my son Jesus has done and accept it, I will give you your certificate of freedom. <laughs> so, so he doesn't judge us for our wrong. He says, here's my certificate. I've already judged you. But now I can take you on a journey where I restore you to the glory of the way I saw you from the beginning of time. Now, please don't get upset with what I'm about to say. I was about 45 or 46. I remember going on this journey with God. Understanding that God is restoring me. As I go through this journey, I'm starting to find out who I am. The mirror's still not perfect, <laughs> but it's getting clearer. I could look in the mirror. I could start, to, that's who I am. You know, as a pastor, people thought, well, he's a pastor, so he should be able to counsel me. Pepe, you know, sit down. I, I just didn't have the grace to counsel people. In fact, they'd either go out of my office laughing or crying. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, it wasn't my grace. But I learned, I started to find out, I can help people. But I, that's not my grace. I started to find out who I And one morning I woke up. And as we do, went into the bathroom. And I looked in the mirror. Now, at the time, I don't know whether any of you are old enough to remember Fonzie on TV. Fonzie, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, heavy days, and it was around about that time, you know, and Fonzie could never ever say sorry, you know, but he was this perfect image, or he thought he was, and, but anyhow, I went into the mirror, and this was a God moment, I can still feel myself doing it, I looked in the mirror, and I went like this, not bad God, not bad God, and what was happening is, Something of the glory of God was being restored to my life. 
I started to find out who I am. I no longer felt shame because of some of my stupidity. I no longer felt guilt because of some of the things I've done. I, I, it's, it's like God was starting to restore. I'm not the perfect husband, still not. But something shifted. I could face, and I'll use it carefully, my demons and deal with them. I didn't try and blame others for my past life. I took responsibility for myself. But I came to this point where I was able to look and I was able to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who I am, the way you've created me, what God's given me to do. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And that was a, that was a big point. And I believe this is almost where God is speaking to the church now because it's so easy to, we, we want the blessing of eternal life. Helen's father died a couple of months ago and uh, he gave his heart to the Lord in his late 80s. So he's quite old. But he was a self-made man, very determined, independent. And um, he struggled in his faith. His wife, she died a couple of years before that. She just really was waiting to go to heaven. She knew that she was saved and that was her lot. And, uh, but he, I went, we, we walked into his room one day and uh, he'd been talking to other older people in the home. Isn't it funny how when people get older, they can actually get more obstinate towards God? I think they'd get closer. You know, getting that close. And, and uh, he said to me, he said, oh, I don't know whether I believe anymore. This was two years ago. And I don't know. I, I just came out and said, oh, I think, Ed, it's not a really good time to be doubting at your age. <laughs> I said, I think I'd, I'd rather have my measure of faith and hope than what you're proclaiming. And he said, oh. but he actually did find the sweet spot with Christ before he died. But he was just at this point, you know, it's almost like he, he was, sometimes we have a God because we want eternal life. But God is more than that. God is interested in you. He's interested in your salvation. He's interested in you being restored to his glory. He's interested in you standing out in the way he's called you. He's interested in you achieving. He's interested in you proclaiming his gospel. He's interested in you becoming. Amen? And that leads me on to the next scripture, which I want to really just uh, you to catch hold of. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 17 to 18. Now, if you've got a Bible, I know most of us today don't have these old-fashioned Bibles but I'm dyslexic. Anyone else dyslexic in the room? Um, I'm dyslexic. So if you're dyslexic, don't use electronic Bibles. Just for my, you've got to see. You've got to be visual. And you've got to sight things. So I can actually go right through the Bible because I can see it. And I can't do that on an electronic, just a little stupid bit of advice. But 2 Corinthians is one scripture, if you underline your Bible, underline it. This is probably, in what I'm talking about, one of the most key scriptures to understanding how God works. And I believe it is very, very powerful. It just says here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, come on, Say it with me. There is liberty or freedom. 
depending on what translation. So God never, ever asks you to believe in him and then bind you up and put you in a horrible, stuffy box of religion. I, I look at some Christians, it's almost like this is how they walk around. I'm a Christian. They're bound by laws, they're bound by other people's rules and expectations. God never, ever saved you to live in a box. He saved you to be free. He saved you to liberate you. He saved you to put you in a position where you could discover who he is. And that's why I remember the first church I ever planted when we went to Auckland. It was a stuffy church, and I walked in, and they're all sitting in their churches, uh, seats, churches, sitting in their seats. And I remember walking, and I thought, man, this is terrible. No one would talk. You know, they had the organ playing, and I just thought, man, I've got to break this right from the beginning. So I went, oh, how are you today? <laughs> My big, loud voice. And I just broke that stuffy, religious bondage right, right from the beginning, challenged it. Because my God's a God of liberty. My God's a God of joy. My God's a God of freedom. My God's a God of breakthrough. My God's a God who just smashes religion. He hates religion. Jesus attacked the religious. He'd never, ever attacked even the sinners. He mercifully reached out to them. But boy, he sure touched religion. Amen? So never live in a box. Let God break the box because God has his freedom. And this is, but we all, say all. all. Say it loud, all. all. So not Dave. Not me, but we all. And here's some keys. With unveiled faces, beholding as in a, remember my mirror? Beholding as in a mirror, the what? What do we behold? Come on, what do we behold? The glory of the Lord. What have we fallen short of? His glory. So we've fallen short of his glory, but now on this path of redemption, this path of change, the way you change is to, again, allow God to give you a vision of his glory, who God wants you to become, who God's called you to become. It says, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from what? Come on, read it. Say it with me. Uh, I, I'm probably more excited than you guys are. <laughs> Come on. We're being changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. Not, not overnight. But the whole journey of Christianity, and you read the New Testament, is to restore you to the glory of how God saw you from the beginning of time. He saw you. He named you. My name's Bruce. Bruce. You know, a lot of Bruce's around my generation. Must have been a new name. Hasn't come back again. <laughs> uh, uh, Bruce means, uh, uh, means uh, from the thicket. <laughs> it's a bush term. That's literally what it means. Uh, a more dignified way of saying it from a Christian understanding is it's like an oak tree like a kauri tree in the middle of the forest. You know, you stand out, you're strong. And in a way, that's how God sees it. I, I think names are important. I used to, at school, hate my surname, Monk. You imagine, they never called you Bruce. Monk! I used to hate it. And then, you know, you get a lot of 
names around that. <laughs> I'm sure you did with your name, but uh, lots of names around. So I, 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 in a way, thought, oh, when I'm older, I think it'll change my name. But then I found out that Bruce, Cowrie Tree, I like that. I want to live to that image. I, I want to be like a cowrie tree that stands. You've got to go into the forest to find it, but it's there. It's probably true of me. I don't stand out, but come into the forest, find the tree, and I'll put security in there. That's who I am. Monk means set apart one. At school, I hated it, but boy, I like it now. Set apart, I, I, I'll take that on. I want to be set apart for you. So your name, everything about you has got meaning. It's about God restoring. When you catch the image of it, it's about God restoring you to his glory, restoring you back. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you let God do it, he'll change it. I tell a story in my book about uh, one, of my, one of my annoying characteristics. Does anyone else have annoying characters? <laughs> one of them for Helen was. <laughs> one of my annoying, uh, I'm sure none of you have had this problem, but uh, because I'm very passionate, I have a short, oh, I had a short fuse. Anyone else have a short fuse? Do you know what a short fuse is? And, and Helen would always identify my short fuse as being angry. I just thought, of, nah, that's who I am. That, that, that's who I am. I, I'm not, I, you know, you understand, you married me for who I am. <laughs> and I, she'd say, Bruce, I don't like your anger. And I'd say, I'm not angry, no. <laughs> but, but I had, had this sort of short fuse. And, and, you know, when your kids, before they're teenagers, you can control them. But when they become teenagers, it's almost like you... You can't control this person anymore. They've got their mind. They've got their, and that really tested my anger. <laughs> but one day Helen said these words. Well, many times she said, I don't like your anger. I don't even let God deal with it. And then one day she said to me, she came to me, and she, I don't know what had happened, but there was this outburst. And she said, I, I can't take any more of your anger. Hmm, that got my attention a little. I, I, I sort of didn't do a lot that day, but the next day I was having my devotion, always been in the morning, greater than, it doesn't matter how busy I am, where I am in the world, I always just get up, I always spend time with Jesus, I, I got up and I spent any time with Jesus, and this thought came back to my mind, Bruce, this is Helen, can't take any more of your anger. This came to my mind. And then I heard these words. And it was the Holy Spirit this time. He said, neither can I. What changed me was the words that Helen spoke, but was the Holy Spirit getting on my case. And that's what the scripture is referring to. This is I'm opening myself. I'm sure you wouldn't open yourself like I've just opened myself. I was actually a pastor at the time. <laughs> but we've been transformed from what? Glory to glory as by the what? Spirit of the Lord. That's why the Holy Spirit is so powerful. The Word of God, the Word of God, 
who are you playing for? The word of God is a mirror. This is the mirror. That's how I see it. That's why if you don't have a good devotional life, you're not letting God give you an image of who you are. You're not getting an image of broken humanity, what it happens to a person, a nation, when they reject God. You see it right through the Bible. These pages give you the blood, guts, and tears. Tells you everything. Shows you when people reject God, what happens. Just read it. People people should be, in a way, really fearful. Because so, so you, you can't treat God. You can't do that and get away with it. You can't live without consequences. But when you read it, when I read Psalm 139, I started to get an image. That God, when you think of me, your thoughts are more powerful than I could ever ever comprehend I can't even add them up just I'm looking in the mirror of his word and my my life is just now overpowered with what God's saying to me he's showing me what it's like to live a life without him but he's showing me what he thinks about me I look in the mirror of his word and I start to see how God has redeemed us place of liberty, place of freedom. He never condemns. God knows I have naughty days. <laughs> Is anyone else? He doesn't come along. God, God doesn't condemn you in your naughtiness. He never condemns us. He is more, can I speak to you today? He is more committed to you seeing His glory and He is punishing you for your naughtiness. It's not a contradiction. That's God. He never condemned me when I had an anger problem. He just said, no, no, you deal with that and you'll get a better understanding of who you are and the way I've created you to be. I'll change you from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'll work in you. This is not religion. I've tried to change. I can't do it. But when the Spirit of God gets on your case, He empowers you to change. He empowers you. Please hear me today. I'm speaking to you because I believe the church has got lost in religion. Even in our Pentecostalness, we want the blessing of God, but we've never discovered His glory. We've never discovered an image of who He's called us to be. We're not discovering something in our hearts. My 12 grandkids... Naturally, I know the ones that God's called to be pastors. I can see it on their life. I don't go around trying to make them. I just know that that's who they're going to be. My oldest son, he's an architect. He goes to church where his brother's the pastor. My youngest son, he goes to church where his brother's the pastor. He's a businessman. He just blinks and he makes money. He's in church and still writes songs. So I'm not boxing any of them up, but I, I can see one of them. He, 
just when he speaks, you can just see this good man is anointed. If you were in shout, you would have seen the young girl give a spoken word on the Saturday night. How many remember that? My granddaughter. You can imagine a grandpa looking up with their 17-year-old girls on the stage of 3,000 people. And Sam leans over and he says, she wrote that. She gives it. She gives it. That's my granddaughter. That's my granddaughter. I shouldn't be surprised, should I? But this young one, he was 10 years of age. And he just says, I just want to be like Pa. I just want to be like Pa. I want to do what he does. Yeah, he'd be different. tried to force your kids to the image of the way you saw them rather than to serve and discover what God's put in them. I look at my children and every one of them I just think, I'm I'm just a steward of these kids. I'm there to bring the best out of them. I'm there to lead them to Christ. Never force your kids. Help them to discover what God's put in them. Today, in the name of Jesus, I just speak into people's lives in this room. Because I think that the devil is the greatest box builder. If he can box you up in fear, timidity, shame, doubt, wrong expectation, if he can box you up, you'll never walk an open face you'll always have something to hide but when you can stand and you let Jesus break down the box and you stand in the presence of Jesus the freer you become I know I'm sharing a little but I just want to finish out of my life I want you to get I said I think God puts a message in it's prophetic. My kids have a nickname. They all have it. Do you know what my nickname is? Bolter. Bolter. B-O-L-T-E-R. Bolter. That's my nickname. Given by my kids. So I named my boat Bolter. Why do they call me Bolter? Because one way I can be incredibly annoying. Where's Dad? Oh, he's bolted. He's gone. It's like when I finish something, I'm off. Where is he? Oh, Helen's like, where's Dad? I don't know, he's bolted. Incredibly annoying. But then I realised one day, it's also my grace because I could never ever have done what God's called me to do if I didn't have this little part of my nature that just says okay I'll finish now and move on I could have never ever survived 
If I lingered, it would have destroyed me. So one way, there's a negative to it, but the other way, actually they didn't really name me to a grace God's put into it. Why do I share that? Always look at the way other people see you. Because in it could be your grace. It can be annoying, <laughs> but it could be your grace. Today, in Jesus' name, I just speak into this room. And I pray something of your amazing anointing would just come over people's lives right now. To you, every morning for the next months you will wake up and the pain will get less and less and less and less in Jesus name Amen to you sir you've listened to the script of other people and you've let the script of other people start listening to what God has put in your heart you're going to rise up and people will see you as a new woman a lot of your frustration is because the script is wrong do you get it? am I right? and right now I just release the Holy Spirit to come and help this man to write the script out of your frustration He finds healing. You watch. You watch. In Jesus' name. Just the power of your anointing. The power of your presence. Just touch him. Just lift your hands, man. Can you lift your hands? Just lift your hands. I want you to do something. You don't have to.
have a special character. How about standing with me? Where you are, just lift your hands. Just open your heart. one of these people who would rather birthday away from the crowd but I just got totally indulged with these God's precious thoughts towards you than you could ever, ever add up. There's no calculator or computer that could actually identify the sum of God's precious thoughts towards you. There's nothing. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy that into your life. I speak grace. I speak healing. I lift off people's life the oppression of condemnation. I free them from fear. And in Jesus' name, I speak your amazing love. In Jesus' name. Amen. When you know a God like that, it's not difficult to praise Him. Fantastic. Why don't we put our hands together for Pastor Bruce? That was an awesome word. Wow. I love that idea that our identity is found in the mirror of God's word, of his glory. And also in the in the community of believers who can who can call that out of us and say, Yeah, I see that on on, on your life. I see that gifting in you. I think, yeah, that's fantastic. So Take that away and, and, and can I encourage you, meditate on that scripture, read it again, allow God to, to reveal who you are in his presence and, and, and even take it and ask other people, hey, what do, you, what do you see on my life? What are the gifts that you see God has for me? Because, uh, you know, we know each other well enough to be able to speak those words into one another.